Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. So this morning we, we start the season of Lent and uh, this year our goal is to walk with Christ uh, as he is revealed in the book of John and as he makes his way uh, towards the crucifixion and towards the tomb and, of course, Easter Sunday to celebrate uh, his resurrection. Now, what's interesting to me is in the Gospel of John, this all begins and ends at the tomb. Did you notice that? We start at the tomb this morning, and on Easter sunrise, we'll end at the tomb. And in and through that whole process, we will walk with Christ, and hopefully each step of the way, you will see how much Christ loves you, that you will be reminded of his incredible love. Now, I have not forgotten, this is Valentine's Day. And and of course, what a, a great way to celebrate Valentine's Day than to celebrate it with the God who loves us so incredibly. Now, if if you are... Um, if you are into uh, chick flicks, uh, you you may have at some point in your life seen the movie The Notebook. Anybody here seen the movie The Notebook? Anybody? Okay, a few of you, yeah. Now, in this movie, what, what's interesting about this movie is uh, there's this older couple who... Um, the, the woman is facing dementia. She, she doesn't remember. Um, she doesn't remember her children. She doesn't, quite frankly, most of the time remember who she is. Um, and her husband has decided that what he's going to do is he's going to read to her their love story, how they met, all the things they went through to finally get together, how they had children. And so that's how the, the movie unfolds. Uh, he's telling her, he's reading to her this story. And as he reads to her the story, some of those things begin to come back to her. And, and so although she never really figures it out, there's something she recognizes. This story touches me. I, I, I know this story. Now, obviously, it's the story she lived, right? But it's always good to sit down and remember the story. Don't you like, now, for some of you younger people, you don't, you don't always get this, but you will. Um, it's always fun to sit down and get the picture books out, right? And go back through, oh, remember that? Or remember how they did that? Remember this? Oh, remember how we met? Oh, remember that restaurant? Oh, remember that time when we didn't have enough? Remember that struggle we had? And we go back. And why do we do that? Because we remember those moments. We remember that love. That's what Lent is all about. You know the story. We'll talk about Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey and we'll wave the palms. But you've done that before. And we'll we'll talk about the the, uh, betrayal and the denial. But you've heard that story before. And we'll talk about the crucifixion. 
And you've heard that story before. And we'll go to the tomb. And we'll see the stone rolled away. And you've heard that story before. But isn't it awesome to remember? To remember his love. Um, I, I remember walking out of the, the theater after watching The Passion of the Christ. And, and of course, I've read it a hundred times and seen a number of different movies where Jesus is crucified. <clears throat> and some people walked out and, you know, they were, they were upset because, you know, they'd seen a human being beaten and, and, and all the horror that goes into the crucifixion. But as a believer, you walk out with a very different perspective. Because it was at that moment that he showed his incredible love for for me. Brought me to tears to remember that kind of love. That's what Lent's all about. And Jesus would have us understand that as we walk this road with him, his desire for us is not just to live life, but to actually love life. To not just go through the motions of living, but to go through the motions of living in his love in such a way that life becomes exciting and amazing. Can you imagine the disciples? Every morning they got up, and my guess is they sat around saying, I wonder what he's going to do today. I mean, think about it. I mean, one day he heals the blind man. What do you think he's going to do today? I can hear him say, hey, do you remember yesterday? We, we had all those people and not enough food to fill them, feed them. And so Jesus took what little we had and he fed everybody and there were basketfuls left over. I wonder what he's going to do today. Is that how you live your life? Do you wake up each morning saying, hey, I wonder what Jesus is going to do in my life today. You see, that's what loving life, that's the difference between just surviving life and loving life. I believe Jesus would have us love life. That every moment, we, every morning, every morning, every morning, we would get up and we'd be asking the question, I wonder what Jesus is going to do today. Recognizing that he loves us. So on this morning, he had gotten up, they had traveled to Bethany. They got to Bethany, and Jesus had cried. He had mourned. He had shared with with Martha and with Mary the hope of the resurrection. He had gotten upset. Something in him was disturbed about this whole thing, that somehow this wasn't right because it's not right. Jesus' goal for us is not to spend our lives in grief, but to be able to, to see that with, uh, with him there is life yet to come. And so finally he makes his way to the tomb. And something changes when he gets there. He gets to the tomb. What's the first thing he says? Help me out. He says, roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. <coughs> Excuse me. He, 
He's saying, take that barrier away. And by the way, I believe that Jesus could have said to the stone, move, right? Because the scripture says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move, and it'll move. But instead, Jesus tells them to roll the stone away. Did you ever realize that God wants us to be involved, not just to sit back? If there's something we can do, he would have us do it so that we could see his hand at work, not just in, in the supernatural, but in the natural itself, in us doing our part. Jesus never said, sit in the pew and watch, I'm going to do great things. He said, go and make disciples. Right? He never told us just to sit around. He told us to do our part. I sometimes wonder about people who say, Lord, uh, you know, help me with my finances. And sometimes I think I hear God saying, get a job. Right? Now there are people looking for jobs that can't find them. That's a different story. What I'm talking about is people who sit there and say, here, God, take care of me. God says, well, I, I will take care of you. But you, you, there are things you can do, right? In your life, there are things you can do. Don't stop doing what you can do. When Jesus calls you to do something, do it. He says, take away the stone, roll away the stone. And so they have to do something. If they want to see God at work, they have to be a part of it. Furthermore, the one thing that we really need to do to not be separated anymore, to get through that barrier, is to take away some of the things that keep us from experiencing God's love and God's grace and God's love and grace for each other. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse, you can go there with me, by the way. Ephesians chapter 4. I don't want you to lose that opportunity. Uh, we're going to be looking, we're going to start at verse 20. Um, 22 actually. Jesus is telling, or Paul, Jesus through Paul, is telling the, the church at Ephesus that there are things you can do. Things you can do to take down some of the barriers, to remove the barriers for loving each other and experiencing the fullness of God, God's love. He says this, you however did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in uh, taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be put, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, he's calling us to take down those barriers, to take off our old self and put on the new self, put on those, those new things that he has for us, take, changing our attitude. And sometimes it's our attitude that's the barrier between us experiencing the fullness of God's love and the fullness of loving each other. Now, I want to I keep reading because I want you to hear some of those barriers that he says you can remove. Barriers like this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, 
that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and with every, and, and with every form, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Those are some of the things that you can do to take down the barrier between you and God and between you and others so that you can experience the fullness of love. Those are things you can do. Change your attitude. Look at others with God's grace and mercy rather than with the judgment that you, uh, that, that you have begun to build in your life. Work on forgiving one another. Those are things you can do. You can do that. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's your choice. You can change your attitude. You really can. Do you like to be around people who are grumpy all the time? Or do you like to be around people who have positive attitudes? Do you like to be around people who are constantly criticizing or looking for mistakes or looking for problems or looking for, uh, f- for the, the wrong? Or, or do you prefer to be with people who are looking for the right, who are encouraging, who are lifting people up? The truth of the matter is, if you're honest, you like the people who are uplifting, then what kind of a person are you? Change your attitude. You can do that. Take down that barrier. I, I, I'm always reminded of, uh, you, you remember that wall that was between East and West Germany? I'll never forget. What was it Reagan said? Mr. Gorbachev, take down that wall, he said. And I don't know, I remember when he said it, I thought, oh, that'll never happen. But the people took down that wall, didn't they? You see, God expects you to do your part. You can't go around saying, yeah, but, but I had this happen to me and I had that happen to me, so I have these walls. No. No, Jesus said, take away the stone. Take it away. Don't let it dominate your life. Take it away or you'll not see the glory of God. And that's the second thing I want you to see. If you're going to love life, you've got to be looking for the glory of God. Looking for the glory of God. Now Martha, God bless her, uh, she had heard Jesus say, I'm the resurrection and the life. She, she, she said she believed all these things about Jesus. Did you catch that? She had this whole litany of things she believed about Jesus. But Jesus had said to her, your brother will rise again. And her answer was, of course, at the resurrection of the last day. Wait a minute. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. She misses that totally. As a matter of fact, the last time we see her in this scripture, the last time we see her, she's gone back to the house to tell Mary that Jesus was there. The good news is that for whatever reason, she decided to get up when she heard Jesus was going to the tomb. Because if she hadn't gone to the tomb, she would have missed it, wouldn't she? She would have missed Jesus says to her, didn't I tell you? She says, Lord, certainly he has an odor. He's been there four days. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus says, what did I tell you? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. 
Martha had a whole litany of things that she said she believed, but she never experienced who Jesus truly was until she saw Jesus raise her brother from the dead. I have people all the time tell me, I believe in God. That's great. I'm glad you believe in God. What do you believe in God? And they'll give me a whole list of things they believe about God. That's great. I'm glad you believe all these things. The question I have for you is, have you ever experienced Jesus? Not do you believe all these things. The question is, have you experienced Jesus? Because it's when you start to experience Jesus that you begin to see His glory at work. You want to see God's glory in your life? Then you have to be willing to put your trust in Him. You have to believe. Once you believe, then you begin to see what Jesus is doing. In Sunday school, one of my uh, students mentioned that, you know, when he sees the sunrise, he sees the glory of God. That was our question of the day. Where, Where do you see the glory of God? So when I see the sunrise, I see the glory of God. And he says, you know what doesn't make sense to me? People can watch the sunrise and not believe in God. And I said, yeah. And the reason why when you see it, you recognize God is because you have faith. You've experienced Him. And that's what allows you to see the glory of God. If you really want to love life, you've got to be looking for what God is doing. Because God's at work all around you. Every day, just like the disciples. They walked with Jesus. They saw him do things every day. What about you? If you've experienced him, you wake up looking for those things, and you begin to see God in places other people will say, oh, that's just a, that's just a coincidence. Oh, that, that just happened that way. No, that's God's hand at work in your life. Now, if you've ever uh, been to a seminary, Pastor Paul, no. There are those biblical scholars, um, if that's what you want to call them, who spend a lot of time trying to explain away the miracles, which I think is hilarious. And, and I remember this one that, that, that continually wrote about how, well, if the wind blew it just the right way at just the right time, then the Red Sea would have parted. And, and because of natural things, the, the uh, Israelites would have walked through on dry ground. And I only had one question for him. Wasn't it truly miraculous that at just the right time, at just when they got there, that just happened that way? Or perhaps maybe God in his miraculousness decided to make that happen that way right then. See, the question is a question of faith, right? If you have faith, you will see it. If you've experienced Jesus, you will see it. Now, I want to be clear. It's not faith that makes it happen. It's faith that allows you to see it. You with me? I, I hear a lot of people say, well, if you had more faith, then you would be healed. Maybe not. If that's God's plan, yes, But if you have faith, you see him at work. You see his miracles around you. And maybe he will heal you. And then you'll say, see, God's at work in my life. And maybe he won't. And then you'll say, like the Apostle Paul said, though he didn't take the thorn from the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said, his grace is sufficient for me. 
And I still see him at work in my life. You see, faith allows you to see God working in all kinds of situations. Jesus, look at him. He heads to the tomb. One of the things I love about this is Jesus walks with incredible confidence. Do you notice that? He doesn't say in his prayer, Now, God, um, I would really like you to do this. And so if you, if you would, um, I, I would just really appreciate it. Um, uh, no. What's he say? Lord, I know you've already heard my prayer. I'm just saying this so everybody around here knows. You see, my guess is Lazarus is already alive in the tomb, waiting to come out, waiting to hear Jesus, come out here, Lazarus. But no, he's waiting because Jesus is wanting everyone to know that God has already performed this miracle. I want you to know that Jesus did not walk with arrogance. He walked with confidence. Arrogance says, look, I am doing this great thing. Confidence says, look, God is doing great things through me. And Jesus walks over to the tomb. And because of that confidence, he already knew. He, he didn't even have to see it. He already knew Lazarus was alive. Isn't that awesome? He walks over there and he says, Lazarus, come out. Now, I heard a preacher say one time, I think he's right, it's a good thing Jesus said Lazarus, because if he had just said come out, the whole cemetery had emptied right there. But he calls him by name, and out comes Lazarus. If you really want to love life, if you really want to love life like Jesus would have you love life, then then you have to allow him to take your grave clothes off. I have this image of, now I don't know if this is a good image, right image or not, I have this image of Lazarus kind of hopping out. <laughs> a little help here. <laughs> What's he going to do? And Jesus says, well, this is looking pretty silly. No, he doesn't say that, but I wonder if he's saying, hey, come on. Take those, get those grave clothes off him. Now notice, Lazarus can't take them off himself. He needs help. And i, I got to admit, for those standing around, this had to be a pretty scary thing. I mean, what's he going to look like when you take that cloth off his face? I mean, I've watched these zombie movies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Might not be a pretty picture. But of course, Lazarus is totally healthy. And they take those grave clothes off. I just want you to know that, that we have a set of our own grave clothes. It's called sin. And it binds us. And it would hold us in the grave. And we can't take him off ourselves. And there's only one person who can. And one of the most incredible things that we remember during Lent is that for all our sins, Jesus died to take those off us. He took our punishment. Scripture is clear that the wages of sin, the price of sin, the punishment for sin is death. And that Jesus died in our place. He died in my place. 
he took my grave clothes. He took them off me so that I could, what's Jesus say? Take off those grave clothes and set him free. Yes. I'm no longer bound by the sin of my life, but Jesus has died, paid the price, taken those grave clothes so that I can live free. As a matter of fact, he's done it and showed me that love and forgiveness so that I can love anybody, everybody. I'm free. I don't have to be bound by the culture that I live in that says I should only love some people and not others. I don't have to be bound by economic status. I don't have to be bound by racial, uh, racial, um, well, well, by racism, let's call it that, just say it that way. I, I don't have to be bound by those boundaries that our world has put in place. I can love ISIS people, I can love people of other countries, I can love people who live next door to me, I can love people who have hurt me, who hate me, who would beat me. Why can I love them? Because Jesus did it for me. I'm not saying I always do it. I'm saying I can. The sad part is we don't always do it. Could you imagine what would happen if we would love life like Jesus did, if we allowed him to show his love to others through us, I mean, I mean really, no matter who they are, you suppose it would make a difference in your life? I think it would. I know that when I allow him to do that in my life, it does. And you know what? It doesn't just make a difference in my life. It makes a difference in their life as well. As a matter of fact, I believe it makes a difference in the life of this congregation when we live like Christ and love like Christ, when we truly love life. And it makes a difference in our neighborhood, with our neighbors, those we come in contact with, those at the grocery store, wherever we find ourselves. When we truly love life, then we begin to see what God can do loving people through us and not just our neighborhood and our community. But I believe it begins to change the world. One of the most exciting things for me is when missionaries come here to speak and we hear how God is changing the world because of his love through us. Isn't that awesome? You see, that's what I want you to remember this Lent. That you can remove those barriers. That, that you can experience and see God at work in your life because of your faith. And so that you can live free to love others. Starts with your relationship with Him. Have you experienced Him? I mean, not just I believe all these things, but I've actually experienced Him. Have you? Have you asked Him to come and take off those grave clothes? Or are there certain parts of the grave clothes that you, you, you keep on because they seem somewhat comfortable, but they keep you from being free? Have you experienced His love and shared that with somebody else? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together and for your love for us. Thank you for this time of year when we remember when we remember your power 
and the power of resurrection in our lives. That power that removes those grave clothes from us and allows us to live in, in joy and to love life. Lord Jesus, help us to be more like You. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for giving us the strength and the courage to take down those barriers, to change our attitudes, to see others with Your love, to live righteous and holy lives. Lord Jesus, help us to see Your hand at work. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you wouldn't. Turn to hymn number 243. And as we sing, if Jesus has spoken to you and you'd like to come and, and pray or, or share or maybe Jesus is calling you to experience Him. You've never experienced Him. This morning you'd like to do that. I encourage you to come. We have some things to help you uh, follow Him and walk with Him this Lenten season. But, but this, this is the time where the question is, How are you going to respond to his message? Won't you come as we sing?